0: morning to you all, and hello also to those watching online today. Um, before I kick into this morning's uh, talk, or at least start it, because as you'll discover a number of people are taking part this morning, I um, just want to say uh, Becky sends her love to everybody. Um, she obviously can't be here this morning because she's still recuperating, but just really wanted to say thank you to you as a church, for your prayers and many people who have supported us in practical ways and to say thank you to God because um, the outcome for the operation was very encouraging. Um, the, um, the surgeon declared afterwards that all visible signs of the cancer had been removed and we just <laughs> gl- we give thanks to God um, because it, it looks as if she's, she's well on the road to recovery. Um, And we are just so grateful for that. Um, But we do want to say thank you to you guys as well, because I know many have have prayed and many have uh, kind of supported us in practical ways. Too many to name. I mean, I'd love to kind of call people out, but I'd miss somebody out. But you know who you are. You've stood with us. Thank you so much. Um, If you regularly worship with us at Kings, if you've been keeping an eye on social media posts, you'll probably have noticed that today will be a little bit different from usual. Today we're introducing something called creation care. Some of you may also have made a connection to the survey that we did a few weeks back, and many thanks to everybody who responded to that. So let me just tell you a little bit about what to expect this morning. In a while, Jade is going to give us some feedback from the survey and uh, introduce some of the youth. The youth had a a good session on this last week. They went out and, uh, and had some good uh, sort of discussion and, and uh, sort of chat about it. And then at the end of the meeting, Paul is just going to come and pick up a little bit on the next steps and the plans that we have for where we go. But I would like to start by us focusing for a few moments on some of the things that are taught in the Bible about creation. Now, this is a huge topic. It's far too big really, to do anything more than just skim over on a Sunday morning. But it's important that we start by recognising that redemption, as described in the Bible, is a holistic thing and not just about personal salvation. That might surprise and maybe even shock you. But if you take the big story of God's involvement with the world, while salvation from sin and Christ's work on the cross is at the heart of redemption... And just to be clear, we will always put the cross at the heart of our mission and our message, but we must never lose sight of the Bible's big picture. It tells the end-to-end story of God renewing the earth in the light of his original vision and purpose. The chapters that bookend the Bible's big story, the first two chapters of Genesis and the last two chapters of Revelation, are all about creation and new creation. And the fact that the Bible begins and ends that way, is significant. Redemption is complete for God when a renewed creation, in all its beauty, all its variety, all its peace, becomes the dwelling place of the God whose heart is to dwell with his people, for whom he paid such a dear price to save. And getting a biblical perspective on this will help us get the right focus, won't won't it? Because, as we all know, there are many... Many voices out there, many voices with their own opinions on the environmental debate. You have the voice of experience, you have the voices of youth, you have the voice of science with all the various um, emerging items of data about a whole host of things, you have the voices of protest. Many, many people, many groups around the world saying, we need to do something about this. You also have the voice of the skeptics. The people who say, nah, this is all made up. There's no crisis. What crisis? Crisis, what crisis? If, if any of you recognize that song, you'll, that, that'll, that'll show your age. I think it was Supertramp, wasn't it? Wrote crisis, what crisis? Yeah. But there are those who will have a kind of sceptical view. Maybe even some of you here think, I'm not sure This this is maybe a bit exaggerated or overblown. I'm not sure what's going on. However, here's a question for you folks this morning. Where is the voice of the church in all this? Why is it not more prominent? And it's surprising it's not more prominent because if anybody has an authority to speak into the current debate, it should be the church. It should be us. If anybody's set an example, it should be God's people. Because we know the big story, don't we? In 2020, Tier Fund and Youthscape surveyed over 600 Christian young people about the church's response to the climate crisis. Only 10% of those that responded thought that we were doing enough. And you know, it's not just about global warming. There are other things such as pollution and the responsible use of natural resources that we need to be aware of. So let's ground this biblically. What does the Bible teach about creation and the world that we live in? And how do we apply it in this 21st century global village that we call planet Earth? So very quickly three things. Number one, the creation was initiated by God and is sustained by divine power. We live in a created universe. Genesis 1, verse 1, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, in the beginning, God created. And this picture of God as the creator is reinforced throughout the Bible. We could list scripture after scripture that confirms this and its relevance. So to those who say, we're here by chance, it's all a big accident, the existence of universe is just some sort of cosmic whatever, we say no, absolutely not. To those that would try and teach our young people that science has explained everything to do with the origins of of the world, we say no, absolutely not. And of course in the New Testament, Jesus himself is also described as clearly having a role in creation. Fascinating. The one and only Son of the Father, whose mission was to come and save us, was also pivotal in the creation process. Read Colossians 1. Take a bit of time this week. and marvel at Paul's description of Jesus as the one through whom everything was created. The one who sustains and holds together all things. So we live in a created universe, but more than that, The Bible teaches that God has ownership and ongoing guardianship of the universe. Sometimes people are okay with the idea of maybe there was a creator, but they think, ah, once he created, he went away somewhere. He removed himself from the scene. He left the universe like a wound-up clock to just obey its rules and, and run down, and one day it'll run down and run out many, many years from now. That's what some people think. But not a bit of it. The God of the Bible is intimately involved, continually involved in the universe. So we can say with confidence that God loves and cares for his creation. He's committed to it. It's not just just an abstract thing for God. When he was creating, it says in Genesis 1, he looked around and he said, This is good. This is good. This is good. Uh, At the end of the six days of creation, he looked at everything he had made and said, this is very good. This is very good. And again, this is throughout the Bible. Psalm 24 starts with the bold and simple assertion, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. There are numerous places throughout the Psalms. Uh, I take Psalm 65, for instance. It's almost a hymn to God's governance over creation describing not only awesome deeds, but also the abundant provision of the rain that waters the earth, the blessing of the crops, the beauty of the hills. You crown the year with your bounty, it says in Psalm 65, verse 11. That God loves the world he has made is evident in many ways throughout Scripture. I wonder if you know that within the laws and guidance given to the ancient people of Israel... There was sustainability built in. Did you know that? If you look in places like Deuteronomy and, and Leviticus, you'll discover laws that, um, that, that care for animals, that care for the land. It's one of the reasons they had the Sabbath. And it's one of the reasons every seventh year, the land was supposed to run fallow. It's the only, it's the only society that did that in ancient times, as far as we know. And the earth's resources were not seen to be something to, to just be exploited and maxed out. Even things like at harvest time, they were told not to go to the edge of each field and get every last little piece of grain. Because for the poor within the country, they could go and they could, what was called gleaning, they could take the, 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 the stuff that was left over from the harvest because God wanted creation to be used responsibly. Sometimes in the prophets in the Old Testament, when they're talking about God's plan for the future, you read chapters like Isaiah 35 or Isaiah 61, there's an environmental direct dimension completely bound up with the idea of the redemption of God's people. It, you can't separate them out sometimes. It's all of a piece in God's big vision. Even Jesus talked about how God gave seed to the sower, food to the birds, and then said, how much more will he look after you? Will he clothe and feed you? So God loves the creation that he has made. And if he does, so should we. Simple, isn't it? In fact, creation is meant to provoke us to worship. The heavens declare the glory of God, it says, in Psalm 19, which is why we sing things like, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hands have made. Then sings my soul, my Saviour God to thee, how great thou art. I'm sorry we can't sing, guys. <laughs> we can sing that right now, couldn't we? It's just such a hymn of praise. But there's a third thing we need to come to, which is this. The Bible teaches that humanity has a responsibility to manage the world that God has made. We're given responsibility to steward and govern creation. It goes right back to that first chapter of Genesis. This is what you should do. And the instructions are even more explicit in the second chapter of Genesis. Genesis 2 verse 15, Adam is commissioned to care for the land, to cultivate the and care for it, and the the words in the original language have, have got a very a, a real sense of care to them. It wasn't to exploit the land; it was to care for it, to look after it. And again, this is just reinforced throughout the Bible. And you know, I I just I just want to re-emphasize to us this morning that. The coming of Jesus in what we call the incarnation when the word became flesh was God's seal of approval on creation. Despite the mess that we humans have made of it, as part of his redemptive act, God sent his son to take on our flesh and blood. And what that says is, God hasn't finished with the creation he's made. He's still committed to it. The original plan, the original vision, that vision is still the plan. So increasingly as followers of Jesus, we must feel the burden to do something that makes the positive impact for good. There's one more reason as well why we need to recognize that this is a time for us to act. And that's that increasingly... Environmental concerns are an issue of social justice. Again, I could just talk about this all morning, but I want us to recognize this morning. The evidence is that all of the things that are going on at the moment, the negative things around things like climate change, uh, the, the changes to weather and so on, they disproportionately affect the poor and they disproportionately affect geographically poor areas across the world. Now, as I say, I haven't got time to, to expand that or whatever. But there's a justice angle to this, brothers and sisters, that we need to recognize. Again, could go to scriptures in, in Isaiah and elsewhere, which just say justice is on God's heart. And if it's on his heart, it should be on ours as well. Make sense? So, I'm going to hand over to Jade in a moment. But today is all about us setting off as a church, on that journey. We're not going to announce any programs today. That will come later. But my prayer for today is that we can all recognize, and again, speaking to those of you online as well, recognize this as a moment. A moment when we as a church decide together that we will play our part in the changes that need to be made across society. And as we do so, let's pray that our efforts to care for the planet will draw people's vision to the God who created it. Are you up for that? Yeah? Anybody out there? Yep. that's great. Lovely. I'm going to hand over to Jade, and she's uh, got some interesting and exciting stuff for us.
1: Thanks, Steve. I'm up for it. (laughs) It's nice to have eager helpers. Okay, thanks Steve. It's right, there are so many voices and opinions on the issue of climate change and environmental responsibility. So actually, it's really good to just pause those for a minute and hear what the Bible has to say about it. And then, once we know that, in the attitude of James, let's do something about it. So, my first job up here is to share the results of the Church Sustainability Survey Hopefully you all had a chance to complete this, and I'd just like to repeat the thanks for everyone who did. We had 49 responses, which was fantastic, and it really was such a joy and an encouragement to watch these come in and to read about all the fantastic things that you're already doing. Every single person who responded said that they considered caring for the environment to be part of living out their Christian faith. That's wonderful. And this conviction was then reflected in the rest of the answers to the questions asked. I'm not gonna go through all the numbers because that could be exceedingly dry, but here's a little bit of a summary. So 90% of us says yes, we do limit our waste by reducing, reusing, and recycling, with the remainder of us doing so sometimes. I think that was probably quite a wide net and the space for all of us to improve on that, but I think that's a really good foundation. 80% of us take steps to reduce energy and water waste in the house, with, again, the remainder of us doing so sometimes. 61% of us use an energy supplier which provides renewable electricity or gas. Quite a large number of us actually weren't sure about this. So moving forward, if you're looking to make changes, maybe that's an area where we could do some research into what tariffs are available. Over two-thirds of us are trying to reduce our car use, 43% of us try to make positive, ethical and environmental choices about our food shopping, with another 43% of us doing this sometimes. So this included things like shopping local, um, organic options or fair trade, which can sometimes be difficult to source and pricey. So again, I think that the church is committed to doing this. Uh, This continued in our wider shopping habits. So when looking to make a purchase... 57% of us try to make ethical choices, and 39% of us do so sometimes. And I was surprised that half of us are involved to some degree in other groups or activities with an environmental focus, whether that's an online Facebook group, or whether that's litter picking, or whether it's an affiliation with a political party. Half of us are involved outside of church in that respect. We also asked you to tell us about the things that you've done to care for creation as part of your lifestyle. And this was truly amazing. Between you all, I counted 63 different things that you're doing because you want to care for God's creation well. 63. We've got avid gardeners, composting, growing veg, providing wildlife habitats like ponds and insect hotels, hedgehog routes between gardens. It was a joy to read. Uh, Some of us have altered our homes with solar panels, adding insulation or double glazing to save uh, energy. We've got people upcycling furniture, people eating less meat, being dedicated to cooking from scratch, litter picking, And taking short showers. Somebody out here says that they take an egg timer into the shower so that they can have a three-minute shower to save water. And I think that's going to be my pledge going on from this because that is really impressive. Some of us are looking for more environmentally friendly toiletries and household products. So again, I think there is just a, a move within the church. I think there's Holy Spirit conviction there that this is something that we think is important and something that we're moving to do. One person said this, I've managed to do small things like using a reusable water bottle, avoiding cling film, buying loose veg instead of packaged, and asking the butcher to use my containers instead of plastic bags. For some reason, that just really impacted me, because this person saying they're doing these small things. But we shouldn't despise these small things because they have a big impact. Many of the things we do might not cost a penny, but they make a massive difference um, to the world we live in. I just wanted to share you one of my small things. About four years ago, we bought a set of these um, reusable bags for loose produce in the supermarket. It cost us about tenner four years ago, and these have been used every time we go shopping, filled with carrots, apples, onions, what you name it. Just think about how many plastic bags or paper bags that are saved. So yes, it's a small thing, but actually it has a massive impact. We shouldn't despise our small things. So I just wanted to say a big well done for the things that we're already doing as a church. But my very favourite result from the survey is that 80% of you are eager to make more changes, to live more sustainably, with the rest of us not sure. What a great starting position for us as a church. You see a list like the one we've just seen (laughs) and you realise, honestly, the wonderful range of skills we have in our church family. Imagine what we can do together as a body as we bring together that heart and our giftings to honour God, just being more intentional about our responsibility as stewards of this planet. So can I ask my eager helpers to come forward, please? So just as um, Steve was explaining, one of the catalysts for this creation care initiative was some research by Tearfund, Fund, which found that while nine out of ten um, young people felt that climate change was important to them, only one out of ten felt that someone in their church was doing anything about it. So, of course, we wanted to ask the young people here at King's what they think. Aidan, are you all right to come round here. Just grab a mic. This is unpracticed but uh, the content is great. Holding Okay. Okay, so Aiden, when we asked the youth if caring for the environment is important for them, to them, what did they say? Yes.
2: Yes. 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 Yes, and yes, of, of course.
1: <laughs> there were nine yeses, with a great big of course at the end. So everyone of our youth members said yes. So then we asked,
2: "Well, well, why is it important?" So, Aiden, what did you say? Because God created the world for us, and we shouldn't destroy His creation.
1: Okay. We had quite a few other um, people that were going to come and share, but with classes. Pop, popping bubbles and things, unfortunately. Um, we haven't had everyone here. So Aidan was just also going to read out Charlotte's. So are you able to read that, Aidan?
2: It is, it is important to look after the planet which God has given us to sustain life. We need to stop climate change because this problem isn't going away and it's only going to get worse. This will affect all of us, but particularly those in poorer nations with less flexible infrastructure and who are depending on... Who are dependent on weather conditions for farming?
1: <clears throat> Girls, are you all right to read out your your reasons?
3: It is important because if someone litters, it can damage the environment and animals can get hurt. Littering can also, can also ruin the oceans and put sea life in danger. Pollution can spoil the air we all breathe. Caring for
2: the environment is important. Without it, there will be no trees, and without trees, there is no fruit, and without fruit, no food.
1: That, that last one was what Valeria had contributed, but we, would, we wanted to make sure that we we said it. So thanks for that, girls. Um, also, Emma said, "God gave Adam the job of looking after the world, and we're to continue as stewards of creation. We haven't been doing a very good job of it." With global temperatures rising, animal habitats destroyed, and microplastic even found in polar ice, now we are the last generation who can do something about it. When she said that last week, we were were up on the balcony, we're the last generation who can do something about it. That really hits home, doesn't it? Because that's that's her life, that's her children's life that are going to be infected by this. So... When we went out to talk about this we also did a little quiz and we wanted to share this with you because we found it quite shocking so church this is an interactive quiz and there are prizes i know in the past there's been prizes like you know easter eggs and chocolate but this is far more exciting than that i just want to make it clear that living sustainably isn't about getting prizes or or buying stuff But I just wanted to get you excited about some of the small swaps we can make and enable some of you to do that um, and and hopefully just create a bit of excitement about that. So let's have question number one. Are we able to have the slides at all? No. Okay. Aidan, can you read out question number one?
2: How many tea bags does the average person in the UK use in a year? 780 or... One thousand one hundred and thirty
1: or one thousand four hundred and sixty. Great, so how many tea bags does the average person in the UK use in a year? Hands up for seven hundred and eighty. Seven, hands up for one thousand one hundred and thirty. And hands up for one thousand (laughs) four hundred and sixty. Kath knows. Kath thinking that's an underestimate. Yeah, so the answer is 1,460 tea bags per person every year in the UK, which actually adds up to to 61 million a year in the UK. Many of you might be aware that tea bags actually contain plastic, or at least the majority of them do, which means that they aren't biodegradable, and some of that plastic is actually leaching out into our drinks when we consume them. Um, So, because of that publicity, there is a move towards ditching that plastic component, but I think it's worth to do a bit of research into the brand that you drink or making the move to loose leaf. We did as a household about three years ago or so, and we haven't looked back, really. So, the exciting prize for somebody who got that question right is a pack of loose leaf tea and a very aesthetically pleasing tea strainer that will fit into either a teapot or a cup. So... Hands up who got that question right and would like a chance to swap. It's gotta be Kath, hasn't it? When you take that, just put them on the floor, it's okay. Downstairs, darling. <laughs> Brilliant. So I'd love to hear your feedback, Kath. Bit of experimentation and let me know. Okay, so the next question.
3: How many loo rolls does the average person in the UK use in a year? 74, or 127, or 161.
1: Brilliant. How many loo rolls does the average person use in the UK in a year? 74, 127, 161. So hands up for 74. Hands up for 127. And hands up for 161. 161. It's interesting to get an idea of people's toileting habits. <laughs> the answer is 127, actually. Um, so, given that we use loo roll once and then we flush it away, it truly is, thankfully, a single use product. But, therefore, it is disappointing that because we in the West prefer luxury and quilted toilet papers, producers are actually using less and less recycled material, and actually, some have just dropped their recycled lines altogether. As a result, the large-scale use of virgin paper means that it's contributing to 15% of global deforestation. Isn't that insane? 15% of deforestation around the, around the world is so that we can wipe our blossoms and then flush it away. I think that's insane. So, in our household, we've really struggled to get all the boxes ticked on the toilet paper issue. Um, but very recently, we've, we've come across a new brand, which is UK-based, supplies to us in cardboard boxes, and um, is made with predominantly UK recycled paper. Which I was really excited about this. <laughs> so, the, who got that question right and would like a chance to try this particular brand of toilet I told you it was more exciting than chocolate. Right, come on, who would like a chance? Thanks, Phil. Are you right to take it, Phil? Thank you.
2: How many plastic water bottles are sold in the UK each year? 77 million, or 770 million, or 7.7 billion?
1: Right, so how many plastic water bottles are sold in the UK each year? 77 million, 777 million, or 7.7 billion? So hands up for 77 million. Hands up for 777 million. And hands up for 7.7 billion. Yeah, it's 7.7 billion. Yeah. So official, and I would say maybe quite generous government statistics say that we recycle 45% of our household plastic. So just think about the remainder of that 7.7 billion becoming landfill, litter, or incinerated waste. Recycling plastic is definitely not the only answer to the question. It is a very energy-intensive process. We need to just reduce our use of plastics. So to my mind, reusable water bottles are just a no-brainer. So, who got that question right and would like a chance to win this? This is actually really nice. Um, Chili's water bottle. I even chose... <laughs> Mark's getting his bid in early there. Look, King's Church, blue. <laughs> you all right to go and take that to Dad? Thank you. Brilliant. So if we all swap to those bottles, which I know many of us are already doing from the, from the survey we did, that'll make a massive dent in that 7.7 billion, which can only be a good thing. Right, I've got two more questions. You like to do one more, Aidan?
2: How many packets of crisps does the average person in the UK consume in a year? 85? 150? are 213
1: so how many packets of crisps does the average person in the UK consume in a year 85 150 or 213 hands up for 85 hands up for 150 hands up for 213 oh it's actually under it's actually it's 150 I suspect there are some people who eat no crisps and there are some people who eat about 600 packets a year so it's probably a bit in the middle Um, There are a few small-scale schemes for recycling crisp packets, and I've just heard recently that Co-op's going to start um, having collection points in their stores, but the overwhelming majority of these packets will just end up, at best, in the bin, which is a crazy amount of plastic. Maybe we can eat less crisps? So, as a household, we just cut out crisps and... My children and husband actually weren't very impressed about this in the long term. Um, we were trying to have popcorn, but actually our concession is that rather than buying lots of smaller bags, which is a lot of plastic, we buy one big bag, and then we'll divide that up into tubs for the pack lunches. So maybe that's something you could consider. So who got that question right? This is not, <laughs> not crisp-related, I'm afraid, although there is a brand of crisps that does come in biodegradable packaging. I just think it's a bit cost prohibitive at the moment. But this is a shampoo bar. Um, so rather than coming in any plastic whatsoever, it's just a bar like soap and you lather it up and uh, wash your hair just like normal. We use them in our house, absolutely great. But yes, I'm afraid they're not crisps, don't eat it. So who would like a chance to uh, try this reusable shampoo bar? You, oh, you like to drop it, Sorry.
2: Brilliant.
3: How many litres of water are used to manufacture one pair of jeans? 2,700 or 3,140 or 7,600?
1: Brilliant, thank you. So how many litres of water are used to manufacture one pair of jeans? So, yeah, 2,700, 3,140, or 7,600. Well, actually, 2,700 is the amount used to make one T-shirt. 3,140 is the amount of water that goes into making one hamburger. And 7,600 is the amount for a pair of jeans. That's really incredible, isn't it? Especially, I think, the hamburger one, actually. So the 7,600 litres for jeans includes the water-intensive process of growing and producing cotton, and plus all the chemical processing that goes into that. I don't know if anyone watched the Stacey Dooley documentary on fast fashion, but it showed the really drastic impact to communities close to these clothing factories, where water sources that locals depended on were virtually dried up. And then remaining water supplies were contaminated with all the toxic dyes that were used, you know, leading to skin conditions and health problems. It was actually really devastating. So I think we really need to value our clothes because they might come to us with a cheap price tag, but the cost to the planet and the cost to other people around the earth is weighs pretty heavy. So I'd just say wear what you've got and buy secondhand if possible. And if you're going to buy something, make sure you really love it and you're going to wear it and wear it. Um, and the prize who got that right, or did I not even ask i was I was getting carried away with the hamburger issue <laughs> who 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 guessed in their heads seven thousand six hundred no one, no one. <laughs> well, the prize for somebody who would like to try this is some um, washable makeup remover pads or face pads rather than just using a ball of cotton wool and chuck it in the bin these can be washed in the washing machine so who would like a chance to use those right sit down that lady there this lady here lovely well i hope that i've encouraged you a little bit shocked you a little bit and inspired you a little bit Thank you for our youth for taking part. Um, Sorry for those who are shielding. So we're going to hand over to Paul now.
4: That was great, wasn't it? So if you do a bit of research around uh, the use of toilet rolls, uh, you'll find that in the U- you, we use 25 times the number of toilet rolls that they do in the Ukraine. Um, don't quite know what that says about their, their toileting habits, or perhaps they've just got massive toilet rolls, I don't know. But, um, uh, but as Steve said at the start, this is um, a slightly different morning. I just want to say three things very briefly as we come to an end. First of all, this is a journey. Uh, we've described this uh, purposefully and we know what journeying is like here at King's, don't we? We know what journey into this hall has been like. We know what our journey in terms of our our outreach through the cafe, the food bank, the furniture scheme, and all sorts of other activities that we do. And this, we feel, is God prompting us on another journey. Now, many of us have been doing that individually over a long period of time. Uh, but it's time, as many other organizations are are looking at how they uh, they deliver their services more sustainably. How they reach net zero uh, in the shortest possible time. So Jade and Liam and Steve and I have been meeting as a, as a, a kind of the first part of that process uh, to help us all move together along the way. We're going to be building a team, uh, and there's going to be more on that to come uh, in in the coming uh, weeks and months. Uh, and we're looking to not just Uh, have what jed has been doing this morning, we're gonna be more kind of flexible and innovative about the way we communicate things, have chat boards, we're gonna be sharing good practice so that we can learn from each other and inspire each other. Secondly, we're gonna be looking very carefully at how we operate as a family here in the center so that we can start um, catching up actually to some other organizations who are much further ahead than us in terms of thinking about how we deliver our services from, from within the centre here. And that's going to be a long journey. And also, we were, we're thinking about the life groups that we talked about a few weeks ago in the autumn. Um, and this seems to us to be a perfect opportunity to, to think about some of those issues. You, you might still be sceptical about some of these, uh, the, the signs behind some of that. It would be great to talk about that. It would be good to delve into that a little bit more. So stay tuned. There will be more information about uh, what we want to do in the future, uh, linked to some of the life groups in the autumn as well. Uh, But that's a taster, I guess. So for those of us who are doing something, be inspired. For those who have have thought, you know, I could probably do with thinking about this a bit more or doing a bit more, then be encouraged uh, to, to change. And let's move on this as a church family together as we have done on everything else up to now. So before I just hand back over to Graham, um, can we just say thank you to Jade, Lim and those who've participated this morning. Thank you, it's been fantastic.